Welcome to the Jonah Carey Podcast, friends. Thanks so much for tuning in. Today's guest is Stephen Bronfman. Stephen Bronfman is a Montreal businessman, and he is the head of a consortium of investors looking to bring baseball back to Montreal. Now, you might ask, why? Jonah Carey, what interest would you have in this? And I would say, perhaps we haven't met. I am a maniac. This is all I think about. It's not all I think about, but anyway, it's cool. It's exciting that uh, there is an effort being made to bring baseball back to Montreal. However, nothing can be unadulteratedly great, and there are some uh, issues to work through. Number one being, I've never been a fan of anybody rooting for a city or a fan base to lose its team. And so the latest on the Tampa Bay Rays that their stadium potential deal hit a roadblock, I'm not celebrating that. Yeah, maybe it could lead to baseball coming back to Montreal, or, but that's not what I want. I would much rather prefer expansion, have the fine people of Tampa and St. Pete and Brandon and Orlando and all the other places in that area just enjoy baseball. And you know what? If their fan base isn't as large as others or their stadium is kind of crappy, okay, so what? They're still viable. They're still making a profit. Still fine with me. We only have to remember the history of the Expos themselves to recognize recognize that this you know, it's not fun to be dumped on. It's not fun to be considered this weak sister of a franchise. And by definition, if you have any sport, there's going to be a number one team. There's going to be a number 30 team in terms of revenue. And it doesn't mean that you just keep playing musical chairs with the number 30 team over and over and over every two years and never be satisfied. So that's my little rant about that. And the other thing that I talk about with Mr. Bronfman is public financing. And I asked him about it. You know, I'm not a fan of public financing. He claims that there are ancillary and direct economic benefits, tourists coming to town, taxes on players' salaries, what have you. Color me unconvinced, suffice it to say. We didn't go too much further in the conversation beyond the question and answer, but I'm stating it for the record here that it's not something I necessarily agree with. It'd be great to get baseball back here, but I don't – and forget about my taxes, whatever. Other people's taxes should not go toward funding a ballpark. If you uh, can't afford to build a stadium and to have a team and to – run a business, then you should be able to afford to build it on your own dime and collect the profits on your own dime and assume the risk and not privatize a public risk, essentially. So there you go. Uh, but other than that, interesting conversation. Uh, Mr. Bronfman had a lot to say. I actually interviewed his dad for the podcast a little while back, a couple of years ago in New York. So there you go. We've uh, we've now hit the exacta. Uh, both Bronfmans have been discussed. Charles Bronfman, the original owner of the team, and Stephen Bronfman, maybe one of the principal owners of a future team in Montreal at some point in our lifetimes. We shall see. So you can go enjoy this. It's a discussion beyond Montreal. It goes to business and baseball and nostalgia and all kinds of good stuff. Stephen Bronfman on the Jonah Carey Podcast. Enjoy. Stephen Brockman, welcome to the show. Jonah Carey, how are you doing? I'm great, how are you? Yeah, yeah, good to be together. It's uh, the second time that I've uh, hit up one of the Bronfman family for this podcast. It's very exciting. Okay. And we're I doing guess. it in New York, and then now we're going to Montreal. So. Oh, with Dad? 
with Dad, yeah. exactly, mm-hmm. which was a fun chat about the history of the Expos. And uh, the latest news is that there are efforts being made to potentially bring a team back. Um, I guess the easiest way to jump into this is to just uh, provide a brief update on what is the impetus for this latest round of publicity? What is the impetus for the discussion that's happening publicly now? Yeah, I mean, it's been a busy week. Yeah. Um, we did, uh, we, we had a CSL study yep. that was done, um, months back. Uh, we wanted to put that information out. Um, it all kind of coincided with, the year end with, I guess, the baseball winter meetings, um, didn't realize it was all going to turn into kind of a, mm-hmm. the, 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 the perfect storm that it did, right? Um, you had the news coming from Tampa, you have, uh, you know, this co- ongoing story for Major League Baseball about wanting to fix a couple of markets and, you know, whether or not, you know, expansion is going to be considered and it will be, but the two markets have to be fixed first. Yeah. And so there's all kinds of stuff going on and we've been, um, slowly, I mean, this story has been going for years, years. now, yep. years, quietly, mm-hmm. methodically, um, and passionately. So, uh, you know, we've built our group here in Montreal pretty well. We've been, uh, getting a lot of support from, uh, folks like yourselves in the media. And, um, you know, we've got this sort of loose corporate, uh, backing, you know, all, all this stuff again from the media study, which has been good. We, we did a, um, pure media, uh, event with a group called Desser yep. earlier on in the, in the year. Again, more positive stuff. Everything, you know, it's like one of these things that I mentioned perfect storm before. Everything is going so well. Yep. Um, now, of course, we don't control the ultimate decision. It's kind of like running a sports team. You put right. the greatest business plan together, but you don't control the product. And it's that's a tough business to be in, right? So, um, again, doing all we can to, to hopefully realize this uh, one day. When that day is, um, who, who, who knows? This is a zillion-dollar question. Um, but uh, it's been a pretty fun ride uh, with zero setbacks, which has been really kind of fun to be a part of and fun to quarterback from my end. For sure. Um, so the latest survey, you uh, collected data from a whole bunch of respondents who were all enthusiasts. And as some quick background, uh, it was in the mid-90s, 94 or 95, I ended up in one of those focus groups. I was a kid. I was 20 years old or something. I said, we should build a downtown stadium. Should be intimate, maybe thirty six thousand people. We should build it right there on Peel, and this and this and this. And then the study comes out and it says we should build it downtown. Yes, 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 yes. And and it seems like that's been the sentiment um, throughout. So, what is the sense in terms of the viability of that real estate wise? I mean, as we're sitting here, we're not that far from the patch of condos, which ultimately became what the uh, you know the Canadian Crown property would have been, could have been. So. Is that a feasible thing in terms of development, in terms of downtown Montreal, finding a parcel of land uh, and finding the venue before we even get to the financing of it? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, availability of land today, yeah. as per 20 years ago, is not the same. No. Um, but there still are uh, parcels. There's one or two that we're quite serious about and we're, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've mentioned a few times in the last uh, week or so of doing all this press that yeah. that's kind of a next step. Yeah. is uh, ironcladding that uh, real estate, um, again, to send a very strong message, uh, not just locally, but to New York, 
to Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, they know that we're serious. And, 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 you know, we don't do things without their consent or at least without their eyes. Right. Um, you know, they play their cards close to the chest and, and as they should. You know, and they have uh, several markets that they're working with as they should. Yes. That's their business mm-hmm. is keeping balls in the air, right? And so uh, we're just happy to be uh, one of those considered. And um, very interesting, I had a great phone call yesterday with Dave Van Horn. Of course. So Dave Van Horn was in town, and he had spoken to Mitch Melnick, and he said, God, I'd love to st- speak to Steven. So we had a, a great chat yesterday. He's the best. Dave is turning 80 I know. in August. He's been a major league broadcaster for 51 years. He's been broadcasting baseball for 54 years. And he told me something very interesting. He said, you know, 10 years ago, he said, I would have never thought this was yep. a possibility and I wouldn't, I wasn't supporting it publicly. I, I wasn't supportive. He said, today it's a different story. He says, I'm really supportive. I think that this thing has more than legs. I think, uh, it should happen. I think it can happen. I think it will happen. Uh, anything I can do to help. And, you know, it, it was just a, a feel good. I told him, I said, I had a grin on my face from ear to ear because again, What's nice about this project is it's something that I've lived with my whole life. I've grown up in this. I've seen the highs and lows. I've been involved. I've retracted. I, I've re-engaged. I mean, um, the, there's been very many uh, sort of levels of, 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 of flow in my life when it comes to baseball in Montreal. And, uh, you know, when you look around the city, I, I mentioned on CBC this morning, um, it just kind of came to me, but the crane has become the national bird yeah. here in Montreal. The, you know, the time is ripe. So again, timing is so important in any kind of transaction, anything in your life, be it with a loved one, be it with a business, be it anything. It's all about timing. Uh, we're going through this resurgence in the city where, you know, business is really good. The infrastructure is re- being rebuilt as we speak. I mean, it really is coming together. And um, we're sort of in a bit of a rebirth mm-hmm. here where... You know, I guess politically, Montreal was held back where the rest of Canada, a lot of the rest of Canada was flourishing, yes. right? And it's we're catching up now. And, um, you know, I think this plays into the story, and I think it excites not just the fans, not just the media, but the different levels of government as well, because they're seeing um, this whole relaunch. They're seeing, you know, the, the uh, idea or the notion of sort of the brand of Montreal being sort of propelled back into the larger world. And what better to do it than visibility from Major League Sports? It's funny you say that about Van Horn. Uh, I wrote a book previously. My editor was an American who'd gone to McGill and became a big Expos fan in the Vladimir Guerrero era. And every day that we were working on the other book, he would say to me, you know, you should do a book about the Expos. I said, well, nobody cares about that. My mom won't even read that. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. And, and the team had been dead for a few years, and, and there was nothing going on in the city. And it was. It seemed like Gary Carter's passing flipped the switch a little bit, and that's when there started to be a little bit more enthusiasm in the city. And then you start to see these events culminating, of course, in these exhibition games with 50,000-plus when was it for you that the light went off? You know, was it, because obviously there was just a very quiet period for a while, but you said years. How do we define years? Are we talking about that 2012 period? You know, what, what lit the match for you? I mean, I, I got to tip my hat to people like Matthew Ross, to yep. people like Crow, mm-hmm. you know, that were <clears throat> waving the flag long before I was re-engaged. Um, you know, there's always been this Montreal baseball, well, I don't know what the, even the, 
they call themselves. But Montreal Baseball Project? No, that's one of the groups. Yeah. But Matthew, the Expose Nation. Expose Nation, you know, yeah. Anakin and all these great people that mm-hmm. have been sort of quietly, you know, waving flags, which is great. Um, I guess he was meeting with Cromartie and starting to think about things a little bit more seriously. Um, I, I can't pin a time. Yeah. It's just happened, mm-hmm. you know, and it just felt like it was it was the right time and the right thing to do. I mean, when you talk about timing, you know, and I look back at 99, 2000, sort of the Loria time yeah. and whatnot, you know, I've told people in the past, and I've told that to Mitch uh, Melnick as well, you know, again, it's, it's all about where you are in your life, and I'm not a Mark Cuban kind of guy. Yeah. It wasn't my time. Mm-hmm. You know, I was young. I was finding my way in the business world. I was finding my way um, personally. Who am I? What is my, uh, what am I supposed to do on this earth? You know, it's, uh, um, and that, that took some time before I was, uh, you know, feeling that I was relatively established. And, and again, on this project today, uh, I mentioned the term quarterback. I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not underwriting this project, sure. but, you know, we're putting a group of people together that are going to be able to work with others and, um, you know, hopefully realize something that is really fascinating from a quarterback's point of view, or maybe I'm like a coach Belichick or something, you know, it's really the pieces of the puzzle and there are so many of them. Um, and at this phase of my life, I'm almost, I'll be 55 next month. I think the experiences that I've sort of garnered through politics, through business, through sort of just peoplehood, right, yeah. is just sort of given me the skills and the skill set and the knowledge base um, and and the family history. So very comfortable in the New York offices of Major League Baseball, um, you know, very comfortable, obviously, in, in the business communities and um, even comfortable talking to you guys, you know, doing doing interviews and whatnot, you know. I, it's um it kind of feels right and the timing is good and it's starting to come together um and it's pretty exciting i want to talk about the corporate structure of it a little bit and, and drill down you mentioned the renaissance of the city to some extent i moved away for two decades i came back griffin town was a thing it wasn't a thing when i left and that's <laughs> a thing you know you just the city has changed would be it retail be it commercial what have you so lay out for us a little bit about what the city looked like in the late 90s leading up to you putting your toe in in 1999 because it really seemed like the business community wasn't where it was. And particularly the business community didn't seem prepared to get behind a sports entity, not only the Expos who ultimately failed, but the Montreal Canadiens, there was no interest in the Montreal Canadiens. You couldn't find a local buyer. That is mind blowing. What was it 20 years ago? Tell us what it was like then. Well, listen, you also came off 95 where, you know, talk about, political turmoil. Very close. I mean, people were very skittish. Mm-hmm. And you look at the history of post my dad and the Claude Brochu years yep. of the sort of co- corporate ownership uh, group that were really not prepared to invest the required dollars and the required time yep. in what it takes today to sort of build a baseball team, right? And so, um, you know, I think other people... Uh, we're able to look at a situation that was, if you're, you know, if you're a shark in the business world, you say, wow, this is a business that's ripe for a corporate takeover yeah. or a hostile takeover. And, uh, that's what we had. We had a situation where, um, you're right, even with the Montreal Canadiens, I mean, 
it was an odd time that the Canadians couldn't be sold locally, and in walks George Gillette. Yeah. And he got a sweetheart deal from Dan McNeil and the he Molsons did. at the time. And, and I'm really glad that the Molsons came back in and, and now own it again because they're the right people to mm-hmm. do so. And I think ultimately, um, for a baseball franchise to work again in Montreal and to have legs and to have sustainability, I think it's important that uh, someone like myself leads it. I don't think it would, I mean, not to toot my own horn, but I don't think it would happen without sort of the proper leadership, at least. Because, you know, there are still a lot of people in Major League Baseball um, in the ownership groups that remember very well yeah. what happened and remember the sour decade that happened. And, you know, a lot of people are, you know, I'm positive um, and, and I'm always a glass half uh, full kind of person, but there's a lot of people that are very skeptical and, you know, we're going to have to do the politicking uh, south of the border as well to convince people that, that we're, you know, that we're real and we can get it done. Has that started a pace? Have you been in the year of, be it a Jerry Reinsdorf or a oh, Marco sure, Canasio sure, sure, or Major sure. League Baseball? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's part of it, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, going to games and, you know, being with the right people and, you know, slowly. Yeah. Because, again, uh, not wanting to step on toes and being very, very respectful of the process yeah. and of the way Major League Baseball likes to do business. You know, I, last thing I want to do is ruffle feathers. Right. And last thing I want to do in this local marketplace is build up expectations above what they should be. I mean, this this project, quote unquote, has a, a possibility of happening. It has a good possibility of not happening. But you know, um, again, it's trending well, and uh, my job is just to keep that momentum going. And uh, you know, our partnership group is really solid and and pleased, and uh, as is the whole sort of local marketplace so the economics have changed in the game too where it was such an attendance-based revenue stream before and now so much of it is media particularly local media you see the philadelphia philly sign a 2.5 billion dollar local tv deal cool now they're players for manny machado and bryce harper these things happen and that's how you boost Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. your potential it's an interesting marketplace here because it's fractured it's french and it's english so in some ways that's two potential revenue streams but in other ways you're not necessarily consolidating in the same way you would in Chicago or Milwaukee. Do you see this as a good and potentially lucrative media market uh, given where the rest of baseball is? Yeah, I think I think it is. I mean, we're never going to be in the top five, right. but we're also not going to be in the bottom dozen. Yeah. I think that we're really well positioned. Um, all the media experts out there that we have hired, and again, you always have to put a little drop of water or two in your wine. Yeah. Um, but the, the studies have shown that, you know, there is a, a significant, uh, business on that side, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, keeps you, uh, on the good side. So that's, that's what we're hoping for. And you talked about assumptions the- are yes. assumptions, right? Then you get into the nitty gritty. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You talked about being the quarterback of the project, and I think a poorly kept secret in this city is that 
nothing is set in stone, but that it would seem logical for a company like Bell to get involved. That you've got Rogers with the Blue Jays, here is a media conglomerate, here are the synergies that can happen, they can derive revenue from the stadium and from the games on air, it becomes programming for them, it makes a lot of sense. Bell, if we're in Canada, people don't own the States, Bell and Rogers fought for hockey, mm-hmm. Rogers won, there's an opening in the programming, Bell has a huge presence, right down the street is the Bell Center, all of this makes sense, you're going to need very well-heeled corporate interest to get behind you, and not in the way that they did in the 90s, but for real and invested in all the way. How far along are you in those discussions in terms of bringing a company like that into the fold? Well, I mean, you also have to keep um, that interesting. So there's other people that would be interested in the product as well. Okay. So, you know, that that's, uh, that's all up for discussion. But um, healthy competition keeps everyone's pencil sharp. That's good. And it's interesting, too, the nature of the conglomerate now, because if you look at it, you know, before it was Canadian Pacific and it was actually Bell and there were some other companies, but they were not fully invested. It just was sort of a there's a famous, possibly apocryphal story of a gentleman named Raymond Sear. And Raymond Sear was approached and uh, by Mr. Brochu and it was, Mr. Sear, we would like you to invest in the team. And he said, here's five million dollars. Never bother me again. And, right. and, and that was a very disheartening kind of thing because that's not how sports work. It's dynamic. It changes. And in addition to the uh, large corporate interest you hope to loop in, you know, bringing in somebody like Mitch Garber is really interesting because here's somebody who was self-made. Here's somebody who was relatively... Eric Boyko as well. Boyko, exactly. Fits fits the tone of the kind of younger, more entrepreneurial, more committed owner that you guys want this thing. That well, should actually, count for a lot. Yeah, actually, all the all the partners that have been announced so far are all entrepreneurs. And yeah, have done very very well. Yeah. And understand what it is to you know start from very little and, and build something very large. From Stéphane Cretier, Alain Bouchard is you know sort of the king of our domain. Yeah, in that respect. And so uh, yeah, we're pretty proud of uh, the people we've put together. And Mitch is. Uh, a great friend, and he's also a great storyteller. Yeah. And that's important too, you know. Um, I told Mitch and I've told a lot of the media people that, again, one of the very strong pieces in this puzzle, if it's going to work, is to have support and especially, you know, media buy-in and, and to be sort of all on the same page because, uh, it's an uphill battle. It's a sports, uh, franchise and there's all these pieces that have to come together in order for it to work. Um, and we're not even talking about the field. We're just yeah. talking about getting it to the point where we can field something. So the, the point of skepticism becomes public financing for stadiums. And I would be delighted as somebody who grew up with Tim Raines and Andre Dawson for a team to be here. But at the same time, I recognize, you know what? If you live in Villa Mart, it kind of sucks that you might have to, even indirectly, pay into this project for people who are much wealthier than you, for the players who are wealthier than you, for the owners who are wealthier than you. The province has issues roads, hospitals, schools, all this stuff. It exists here. It exists in every single market. And Quebec already took a stand once and said, you know what? No, it's not going to happen. And maybe there were political reasons involved, what have you. But the bottom line is public financing wasn't there. So before we even get into the will they, I guess the question becomes, should they? If you took a step back and said, forget about my fandom, forget about that I'm in this thing. I am a tax-paying citizen why would I want my government to invest $500 million in a ballpark? Well, I think that there's a model to be shown as well, that there is, uh, I use the French term, a retombe economique, mm-hmm. uh, and through players' taxes and through all the uh, tourism travel that comes to the city, I think that there's a, an economic benefit um, that we have a, actually sharpened our pencils and we've put a, a plan together that shows that 
um, it's not a loss for people that actually it's kind of an, it's a, there's a payback there. And so, you know, I think it's very important again for something like this to work that everyone does play a role. Um, I think Major League Baseball also looks at their mar- marketplaces and, and, and likes to see, uh, public involvement. Sure. Um, it's important. Also, you know, there's, uh, there's this notion of the development of the stadium, but there's also ancillary development. We've yes. gone to Atlanta. We've seen a lot of the newer projects, San Diego. I mean, there is really sort of, and when you talk about, you know, neighborhoods developing, there's a strong sense of development around a stadium. So it's, um, it's more than just, it's not really a discussion of taking taxpayers' money. It's more of a discussion of having help from the various levels of government where there is uh, an economic interest for them on a payback side. Well, it seems like it would, there was been discussion, at least in the study that was done about year-round, being a year-round facility as well. That would seem to be a no-brainer, you know, that you have this ballpark for six months, well, seven months a year, ideally, that would be great. But then you have to figure out what you're going to do the rest of the time, uh, this would imply that this would have to be a closed facility because it's not wonderful here in December. It would imply that there would be... Or it could be a great snowboard park in the it, winter. That would be hey. really cool, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I assume that's on the table, right? That it wouldn't necessarily just be a ballpark, that it would be everything to everybody. Everything to everybody is a tough thing to do. That's what it is on um, PNF. That's what they try to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the, again, the nice thing, feasibility studies, whatnot, um, the nice thing is having the time to be able to digest and to hear from so many different stakeholders and to just take in input as you're thinking about design, as you're thinking about uh, functionality, as you're thinking about partners, um, as you're thinking about use and usage and time. Um, You know, this this has been a long-winded project so far, and Mm -hmm. and I'm sure it's going to be a a little bit more wind in the sails to get it done. Um, But... Uh, the prospects of doing it right um, are better with time. And then there's skepticism about the fan base, too. And, you know, some of it, it depends on your point of view. On the one hand, you could look at it on, a, on its face and say, well, you know, in 2004, there were three or 4,000 people showing up to games. Of course, this thing was DOA. There's no question about it. On the other hand, you know, it's a case of going to your favorite restaurant, and at first it's great, and then you find out that there's flies in your soup every time, and the owners of the team are making clear to you, hey, you know what, there's flies, and not necessarily you, but the previous owners, there are flies in this soup. Don't come to this ballpark. We want this other project right now. So do you feel that fans were chased away, or is there a healthy amount of concern and uh, research that needs to be done to get a sense for if truly 34 or 5 could fit in a ballpark, would go to the ballpark uh, on an every-night basis. There is risk in everything in yeah. life. And, um, you know, one thing, and I guess the, the biggest risk is um, after your four- or five-year honeymoon period, right. you know, um, you've got to put out a decent team. Uh, you've got to get people excited to come. So your product has to be really good. Your service has to be fantastic. And... Um, you know, but these are risks that we're willing to take. I think that there is a wonderful history of baseball, and there really is a, a large fan base, not just in Montreal, but, you know, in Ottawa, in Quebec City, in Sherbrooke, in, in Burlington, in New York, mm-hmm. Plattsburgh, and, and lots of towns south. And especially when, you know, 
who knows what division we made, but that will draw sure. people as well. So, you know, I mean, there's, uh, th- th- sure, there's risk in everything, um, but uh, I think that there's a fan base, and sure, there was uh, definitely burnt over the last several years. Also, seeing an ownership that didn't care, Major League Baseball takes over the franchise, you know it's going to move. So, you know, people aren't, you know, this isn't a rich city, it never will be. Right. And people aren't willing to invest even $30 in a ticket to say, why bother? You know, I can stay home, watch it on TV, uh, you know, have a beer there. It costs me a lot less money, and I, I don't want to get emotionally in, involved in this thing because yeah. I'm already, you know, I'm already losing these guys. So, um, yeah, it's it's an interesting, you know, again, uh, very strong. The guys from CSL, the guy, the head uh, that, that was leading our project from yep. Dallas, he was really excited. I mean, he said, you know, just the fact that you had 14,000 people do this, fill in this survey that took 20 minutes. He said, we, we don't see those kind of numbers. No, because these studies have been done. He said, we don't well. see these yeah. kind of numbers. And so they, I mean, again, always a couple drops of water in their wine, um, temper what they say, but they were really excited about the prospects. They said, you know, you've got something here that we don't see very often at all. And so, you know, the report is out on a piece of paper that we gave to all the press uh, last week. But when you sit with the guys and they give you the report and you're looking in their eyes, they were really pretty pumped up. They really said, you've got something here that is going to make a lot of sense. You talked about the reluctance to pay $30 for one reason or another. And one issue which comes up here, and exists in Toronto too as well, of course, is the idea of Canadian currency. And Canadian currency, in my lifetime, in your lifetime, has been quite volatile. Mm-hmm. Both of mm-hmm. us can remember a time mm-hmm. when it was at par. Mm-hmm. Both of us can remember a time when it was 1-5. Mm-hmm. There's a vast ground. Mm-hmm. You're going to pay out salaries in U.S. dollars. Yeah. You're going to have people from yeah. Point Claire or Point Tom or whatever, they've got to pay 70 bucks a ticket, whatever it is. How much of concern is that for you? How do you make that work uh, in an environment where, forget about New York and Boston, in smaller markets like Tampa Bay and Milwaukee, it's just at par. It's money in, money out. Yeah, it's, uh, it, is, it is an issue. And we've had discussions already with uh, Toronto, with the guys running uh, business there, saying mm-hmm. that we might be able to have discussions with Major League Baseball about some sort of um, dollar issue. Okay. Um, so that's, that's something that, that could be stepped up. Um, and again, you have to be smart about how you run your business. And a lot of the, a lot of the guys in the smaller markets are, but, uh, and it's something my dad always said, you know, you're, you're sometimes you're starting, you know, 20% behind the mm-hmm. eight ball, right? And that, that is an issue. Um, but that's business in Canada. And maybe there's a way to write that, uh, through, uh, proper dealings with the league. So I guess the final thing would be time frame and, you know, we talked about the idea of relocation as being the first option for Major League Baseball, or at least that they want to figure out the existing markets one way or another, not necessarily relocate them, but make them well, whether it's staying, whether it's going. Uh, there are some kind of signposts there. Tampa Bay in particular has a use agreement that goes till 2027. Uh, in the case of Oakland, it's not quite as cut and dried, but they're working on a project right now. Those are the two kind of Situations mm-hmm. that you could argue are the most uh, dynamic right now. Mm-hmm. And then you get the feeling if that doesn't happen, the next step is expansion. Well, if we do some quick math, 
2027, let's assume that that's roughly the time frame for both. Okay, that's nine years away. And then maybe you've got to wait another two or three years for expansion. I mean, is this the kind of thing where we're talking about a 15-year timeline? It's already been 20 years since expansion. That's the longest since we started in 61 that there has gone between expansion rounds. Do we wait until you and I are... I, I would be point. 70. I yeah. would be throwing out, I would have a tough time throwing that first pitch 60 feet, 6 inches. Yeah. Maybe it's 7 years old. Maybe I'll just uh, do more time in the gym over the next 15 <laughs> years. No, I mean, I, I think of less time. Okay. Um, again, relocation is a bit more, uh, I mean, time-wise is probably a little bit more realistic uh, than... Um, expansion again, yeah. like like the commissioner said over and over, we've got to fix these couple of markets. And if you look at the business of sport today as well, I mean, there are no professional sports that have you know twenty eight great teams and right. a couple dogs. You know, there are a dozen good ones, there are a dozen not so good. You know, there there are plenty of markets that have a tough time. Yeah, um, oftentimes there are. Uh, might be a specific owner that has just said, well, this is my trophy asset and this is the way it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in this situation here, we're not talking about people who are looking at a trophy asset. I think what's interesting about um, the notion of the investor group that's together here is that people are in it for the long term and for the city and for the province, for the country. It's sort of a, a, a nationalistic um, approach it's something we all do business here. We all like, I mean, it, it's something that attracts more people to the city. Um, so, you know, timeline is the zillion dollar question. And, you know, I really have no clue, but we are just doing everything in our power to be prepared for once, you know, hopefully we get the call from New York that says, okay, guys, I think the time is here. And again, we do have a backup plan where we have the Olympic Stadium. Yep. Um, we could, uh, Put a team in there for well, because you're not going to build the stadium on spec. You've talked about no, that. we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. And we see what's happening in Quebec City, by the way. We don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, Kevin NHL, Costner, you know, yeah. great film and everything. Not going there, right? Um, so we're, we'll be a little bit more prudent than that. Um, and again, trying to do everything in our power in the right way. One thing that's great, uh, again, having on our team uh, in the background is Pierre Boivin, who ran the Canadians for a dozen yeah, years. So. Really understand, he really understands the business of sport. I've been in it my whole life, um, and a lot of the partners around the table know a thing or two about business. So we're trying to uh, use our best efforts, all our intel, and all our experiences in putting together um, what hopefully will be uh, a really solid business plan. But again, at the end of the day, uh, you can't control that product on the field. You know, you can't control the chemistry. You can't control the injuries. You can't control... There, there's so many things out there. But that's what makes sports so wonderful. You know, it takes us out of our day-to-day. You never know what you can get. I went to a hockey game last night. I love the Canadians. I went to the worst hockey game I could imagine last night. You would <laughs> think Boston-Montreal, you know, people get fired up. And then, you know, it's like the guys couldn't even lace up their skates. You just don't know. Yeah. And people are people. We all have good days and we all have bad days. Um, yeah, and, and, and that's going to happen too. So, you know, I think that people are excited. We're excited. Um, I'm glad that you're spending the time talking to me because I like talking about this. I'm glad I have a day job as well because um, that keeps me busy. But this has been really an exciting, and this year especially, uh, I just feel a bit of momentum hmm. building up uh, again. Uh, very respectful of everything that's going on in New York and 
I'm not a toe stepper. I really like playing by the rules, and that's our game plan as well: is sort of doing things carefully and quietly, and、uh, hopefully waiting for that day when it comes to say, "Okay, we're ready for you. Let's do it." I'm putting my journalist mask down for a second and saying, "I wish you the very best of luck, and I would very much like for this to succeed." Oh yeah! Hey, we'll play ball, man. <laughs> Thanks, Jonathan.